So Merry Christmas. It's great to have you here today. We're celebrating Christmas this morning. The world is focusing on Christmas right now. And you think about this. It's an event that happened 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, in a little bitty town, and today it stops traffic. And all the shops close down, and there's literally billions of people that come and celebrate and have a party and give gifts to one another. How did something that happened 2,000 years ago in that small town make such a big difference to us today? Why is it such a big deal? The birth of Jesus is the most significant event that's ever happened. In fact, it impacts your life daily. You don't think about it. But daily, when you write a check, you always add on the end the date, 2018, 2019. What's that talking about? 2018 years since Christ. It's a daily part of our life. Every time you write down the date, you're, refer- you're talking about something that happened 2,018 years ago. The dating system is based on his birth. We're going to look at the purpose of Christmas and why we celebrate it. At the first Christmas at the birth of Jesus, an angel came in and made an announcement. And in his announcement, he mentions the three purposes of Christmas, what it's all about. So from there, we know what to celebrate, why to celebrate, what's the big deal about what just happened. So in your notes, the first purpose of Christmas is celebration. That's the one we all know. We know that there's a celebration going on. We might not know why, but we know there's a celebration. In Luke chapter 2, it says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. He's bringing them good news of great joy. That sounds like a celebration. That sounds like a party. That sounds like cancel work on Friday and instead everybody to get get together and have a party together. It's a big celebration. It's good news of great joy. It's a birthday party. We're celebrating the birth of Christ. It's a birthday party. And we celebrate birthdays. We have special days, and this is one of them. And in particular, because he's not just a man or a great prophet that was born, it's God coming to earth as a baby, ultimately to die for our sins. And we celebrate that. We're supposed to celebrate it. It's a big deal. And I think we get so busy planning and taking care of this and that and buying presents that a lot of us don't really celebrate his birthday. It becomes just extra work. We're just busy and moving and doing things. And we need to stop and realize the reason for the season is to celebrate. And if we're not able to celebrate, there's something wrong. We've missed the whole purpose. So why do we celebrate? One of the reasons we celebrate is because God loves us. Look at John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why did Jesus come? It says because God so loved the world. That's why he sent him. 
it's a message of love from God. So in the celebration, we're recognizing that God loves us. He's not just some random kid born in the Middle East that we don't know anything about. We're recognizing God loves us. It's a celebration, and that's good news. I want to be loved by God. I want God to care about me. Christmas is saying, I know that God loves me, and that's why I'm celebrating. He created me as an object of his love. He created you with affection toward you. He cares about you. He loves you more than what you can imagine. God loves you on your good days. God loves you on your bad days. God loves you on your good days as much as he loves you on your bad days. God loves you when you feel it. God loves it when you don't feel it. God loves it when you think you deserve it. God loves you when you think you don't deserve it. God loves you when you don't deserve it. God loves you, and it's based not on you and your performance. It's based on who he is. It's about his character. I have four children. Do they always do things right? Do they always make me happy by their actions? No. They're human just like me, right? Do I always love them anyway? Yes. Do I love them more when they behave? Yes. No, 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 I don't. No. Yeah. I don't love them more when they behave. I love them when they misbehave and, beha- and behave, right? It's because I love them. They're my kids. God loves you. There's nothing that you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing that you can do to make him love you least or less because he loves you 100% because it's who he is. He's your father. He's your heavenly father. So he's going to love you no matter what. So we celebrate that. This is a message of God's love, him sending Jesus. We celebrate his love. We also celebrate that God is with us. In Hebrews 13.5, it says, God says, I will never leave you, and I will never abandon you. Isn't that a great verse? God's never going to leave you. He's never going to abandon you. You may not feel it, but God is with you. In Isaiah 7.14, it says, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel means God with us. The whole message is, it's not just a child being born, it's God with us. That's a big deal. I can celebrate that. There's a lot of children that have been born, and I'm happy. Praise God. You know, those families are blessed with this child, but I don't know the child, and because there's billions of people in the world, not that I don't care, but I just don't know them. I might hear a child's born. I don't know the family. I don't know who they are. It doesn't affect me. I'm happy for them. But it doesn't affect me. I I don't know the families. But when God is born on earth, now that's a big deal. That's something else. God is with us. Have you ever felt abandoned by somebody, maybe a friend or whoever, maybe a parent? You felt abandoned? God is with you. He'll never abandon you. Whether you feel like he's with you or not, he's with you. You might not feel it, but he is with you. The reason you don't feel it is you're not connecting in. You're not building that relationship with him. It's not that he doesn't care about you. It's not that he doesn't want to reach you. It's, am I connecting with him? Am I opening up those doors? God says, I don't only love you, I am with you. And when you're going through hard times and you feel alone, you want to be aware of that. 
God is with me. He came here to be with me. You don't have to face anything on your own. When God is near, it removes all fear. When you're worried about things, it's a sign that you're not connecting into God. You're not focused on him. You're not realizing that he's with you. So you worry because you really think he's not there to help you. If you really 100% believed he was going to take care of the problem, that he's there with you, you wouldn't worry. When you're fully connected in that God's with you, it changes how you live your life. If you're feeling lonely, turn to Christ. He's the answer. Build that relationship with him. We celebrate because the third reason is God is for us. He's on your side. God wants you to succeed. He wants you to win. Look at John 3, 17. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. A lot of people are afraid of God. It's because of guilt. When someone feels guilty, they're afraid of God. They want to distance themselves from God. They feel like whatever they did is so bad that God wants to punish them. So they separate themselves from God. That's what guilt does. But this verse says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn you, but to save you. He's not coming to condemn you. He didn't come to this earth so he could say, you're going to hell. You're a rotten, evil person. That's not what he came for. He came to save you, to forgive you, to give you a new start. He didn't come to scare you. He came to save you. Notice how the angel says when he appears and they're terrified, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He's telling you, don't be afraid. God's not out to blast you. And we know we're not afraid of babies. We're not afraid of babies. If I were God and I didn't know all this stuff already, I was thinking, oh, how should God appear to people on earth? I would probably think in my human mind being as unwise as I am, you know, something really spectacular that would shock the world and they see God coming. And the last thought in my mind would be, let me go into the world as a baby. That will make an impact. And I'll be born in a manger in some little nobody town out there that nobody knows about at that time. Yeah, that's what I'll do. That will be the way to go. No, but God doesn't want you to be afraid of him. He's not there to condemn you. He came to forgive you. There are 365 times in the Bible where it says, don't be afraid. Isn't that interesting? One for every day of the year. So don't be afraid. God's not out to get you. God's out to save you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to get you on the right track. So we have reason to celebrate. Christmas is a time to celebrate. And if you're a Christian, you should be thrilled to celebrate. This big celebration is not anti-Christian. We should be in the front lines of celebrating. It's a big deal. We're celebrating the birth of Christ. It's a great thing. The second purpose of Christmas is salvation. He came to bring us salvation. Here's the second thing that the angel said. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. He is Christ the Lord. He's a Savior. What did he come to save us from? Well, he came to save us from something, actually, for something. And also, he came to save us by something. 
He came to save us from your sins, your guilt, your worry, your bitterness, all these things that ruin your life. He came to save you from those things. He came to save you for something. He came to save you for a purpose, to give you a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. You're not just saved just to go to heaven. I mean, that's a purpose, save you to go to heaven. That is a purpose. But he saved you to turn your life around here on earth to give you a purpose for living. And then you're saved by grace, which means it's not something that you earned. So in your notes, saved from my sin. First, you're saved from sin. That's what Jesus' name meant. Jesus is actually the word Joshua. In the New Testament, they wrote it in the Greek, and they put the Greek words in. That's why when you read it, Jesus isn't a Jewish name. What is this talking about? His name was Joshua. That's one of the unfortunate things that you have when you write something in a different language. But it means, if you read it in the Greek, it means the Lord saves. His real name was Joshua, or they would say something like Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. That's what his name meant. So even in his very name, you are to name him Yeshua. You are to name him the Lord saves. Why? Because he came for, to be a savior. He came to reach us. He saves us from our sin. What is sin? What is sin? I find it interesting that the word sin, the middle of that word is the letter I. The word pride, the middle of that is the letter I. Sin's an I problem. It's all about me. I've got an I problem. I want to do what I want to do. I want to be my own boss. I want to play by my own rules. I, I, I. And that's the sin problem. That's the attitude. He came to save you from yourself, from ruining your own life, trying to pursue I, I, I. He has a great plan for you. And he wants to give you a better plan than what you have for yourself. And in our own minds, we think we know best. And when you read scripture, it teaches something different than the direction I want to go. Then I'm wrong. The scripture is right. I want to do it his way. If you want to get blessed, obey him. Do what he says. But if you pursue your, if you try to be your own God, it's going to lead you down a path that's going to ruin you. He's a savior, ultimately, to save you from you. Have you noticed in life, I have, that you cause the biggest problems in your life? You know? Yeah. It's like this. Shame on him or her for what she or he did to me. Shame on me that I keep it. They hurt me once, and I keep it. And I don't forgive, and I keep it. And I don't forgive, and I keep it. I don't forgive. Before long, I've hurt myself more than they ever hurt me. God wants you to learn to forgive and let go so you get on with your life. Sin, every problem is caused by sin. You know, like confusion, guilt, shame, regret, bitterness, resentment, grudges, worry, fear, anxiety, depression, discouragement, emptiness, despair. Notice that that list of things are things that we put on ourselves. I feel guilt. Why? Because I don't really believe that God forgave me. I have regret. Why? Because I don't believe that God's really using all things for the good. I have shame. Why? Because I don't believe I'm forgiven. I have resentment that ruins my life. Why? Because I don't uh, forgive others. Why? Because I don't believe I'm forgiven. 
If you, if you really 100% felt forgiven, you'd forgive others. You look at everything. It's all the stuff that we put on ourselves. I'm not saying that there's people. I'm not saying that there's not people out in the world that have hurt you. Absolutely. But I'm saying this. The most damage inflicted on your life is from you. It's your own mind. It's your own. It's, it goes back to your relationship with God. If I really get that going, I can let go of all that garbage that holds me back. Jesus is saying, I want to set you free. I want to give, you think of an addiction. That's something I'm holding on to. He wants to set you free. He wants to set you free from guilt and shame and resentment and worry. When I worry, I'm not trusting God. I'm doing that to myself. He wants to set me free from that bitterness, from hating others or hanging on to the bad things they've done to me. He wants to set you free. He wants to set you free from the expectations of others. It's miserable when you're trying to please others, when you're trying to please others, when you're trying to please others. And God is saying, you're never going to be happy doing that. You have to please me, God. You want happiness? Try to please God. You want to be miserable? Try to please other people. You'll never be able to please everybody. I get you guys happy with me, then you get upset, so I get you happy with me, then you get upset. It's a horrible way to live. Please God. He's the only one that matters. If you're pleasing God and the whole world's against you, you're on the right track. And they might be against you. When you're pleasing God, the whole world might be with you too. But God is who you're concerned about. He wants you to set you free from the fear of death. The fear of death really affects people. When you have a relationship with God, you might fear the pain of death, right? That's different. You can fear the pain of death. Like if somebody came up and had a gun and was pointing at me, I might be thinking, oh, no, this could hurt. You know, the, the pain of death. But you don't have to fear death because you know you're going to be with God in heaven. So he came to free you from the fear of death, from the burden of worry and anxiety and stress, because those things that are out of your hands, you just give them to God. It's not my burden. I can't handle it. That's why I have faith in God. Maybe you've never realized that you need a Savior, but you do. We all need a Savior. Have you figured out that a lot of the stupid things that have happened are because of your own decisions, your own responses? You need a Savior. I need a Savior. In Romans 7, 24 and 25, it says this. The Apostle Paul wrote this. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. And that's the answer. He was, in the, he was just like us, going through the same problems, but he knew that Jesus was the answer. I want to be honest. A lot of us are trying to find salvation on the wrong path. If I could meet Mr. Right, then my life would be happier. For, first of all, there is no Mr. Right. And if I can my, uh, meet, you know, the perfect woman, then I'd be happy. There is no perfect people. There's no perfect woman. If I could get that job, then I'd be happy. If I could get that promotion, then I'd be happy. If I could win the lottery, then I'd be happy. If we could just get a, have a baby, then I'd be happy. If my son or daughter would just get a job and move out, I'd be happy. <laughs> no, but those things don't make you happy. You're looking for salvation in the wrong area. Where do you find salvation? It's in Christ. Happiness is something that's going to happen on the inside, and then no matter what your situation is, you're happy because you're happy on the inside. 
People are looking for salvation in self-help books and therapy and fads and diets and vacations. If I could escape to Tahiti. There's only one problem about escaping to Tahiti is when I get there, I took me with me. The problem is still there. So it's not going to be the solution. It's not going to make you happy. So God came to save you from your past. Also, he came to save you for a purpose. In 2 Timothy 1.9, he saved us and called us to be his own people, not because of what we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. You can live life at three levels. Survival. Do you know that about 3 billion people in the world make an average of $2 a day? That's survival. That's poverty. That's, it's not even poverty, it's miserable. They're, they're, if you're an American and you're going through hard times here, those people would love to have your problems. <laughs> Whatever you think your problem is, they would love to have your problems compared to what they're going through. Hey, I've been there. You know, I've traveled throughout the whole world. And I've been to these places, and it's, um, it's horrible. It it's breaks your heart to see what's happening in the world. We have it so good. We have it so good. I never want to have that attitude that I'm not blessed. Because even though I struggle, I'm blessed. Because just being in America, we're at the success level. But let me tell you what. Success doesn't make you happy. People think if I can be successful, I'd be happy. Well, those people, those 3 billion people that I'm talking about, thinks if they could have what you had, that is success, and they'd be happy. If you're not happy, maybe they wouldn't be happy either, right? Because you, know, you don't find happiness with success. You find happiness with significance, meaning, purpose. And what I'm trying to say is God has you here for a reason. You're significant. He shaped you in certain ways. And when you connect with God and discover who you are and what he has you here for, it changes your life. It changes your life. I think it's wise for people to look at their gifts and talents and maybe even write out a purpose statement. My purpose statement is to equip and encourage people to develop an intimate relationship with God and to become ministers of God's love to the world. I wrote that down probably... 20 or 30 years ago when I discovered what God was doing in my life and how he wired me, and I, I put it down in writing, and I memorized it. Why? I know what to say yes to, and I know what to say no to. I know what I'm about. And if you watch my life, what do I do? I equip people, and I encourage people. That's what I do. And what do I do? To develop an intimate relationship with God. That's what I do. And to become ministers of God's love to the world. And you look at my life, and you say, that's exactly what he does. Why do I do this? Because I clearly understand what I'm here for. I'm here to say you can clearly understand what you're here for. You look at your gifts, your talents, how God wired you. Jot it down. Write things out. See where it is. And write it down. And memorize it. Everybody here has a clear life purpose. It's just not clear to you. But... If you invest time into those things, I think it can become clear to you. And it'd be great if you can write it down and have it memorized and say, this is why God has me here. It gives you significance. You know that you exist for a purpose. 
and it's greater than anything that you can imagine. Because you exist here to make an impact in this world. There's going to be people in heaven because of you if you discover your purpose and live it out. The third thing is you're saved by grace. In Ephesians, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's a gift of God. It's grace. So I'm saved not by anything I do. I can't buy my way into heaven. I'll never be good enough to reach God. You'll never be good enough to reach God, but your faith is in him being good enough to reach you. I had a guy tell me, he was a lifeguard, and he said, when someone's drowning, a lot of times you can't save them as long as they're trying to save themselves. Because you get close, and because they're trying to save themselves, they're going to pull you under too. A lot of times you, in the situation, depending on the situation, a lot of times you have to wait till they give up a little bit and quit fighting so hard to save your own life and to save them. As long as they're trying to save themselves, they were doomed. Once they start to give up, then he can get behind them and grab them and pull them out and save his life. But if he's trying to save himself, he's going to pull you down trying to save himself. As long as you're trying to save yourself, you're going to drown. You're going to drown. You better put your faith in him saving you. I'm never going to be good enough. You're never going to be good enough. Only God's good enough. So my faith is in him. He came to reach me. I can't reach him. So I quit trying, and I start trusting. That's what it is. It's about you stop trying, you start trusting. You're saved by grace through faith. You just trust him. So when Christmas comes, there's a purpose behind it. We celebrate, and salvation is all about, that's the purpose. It's all about salvation. There's a third purpose, and that's reconciliation. It's about being reconciled to God toward other people. In Luke 2, 13 and 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's reconciliation. What is reconciliation? It means when a relationship has been broken, reconciliation is when that relationship gets restored. Maybe a boyfriend and girlfriend broke up, and now it's been restored, and now they're back together. A husband and wife broke up, and now it's been restored, they're back together. A father, son, mother, daughter, parent, child relationship broke up, and now they've reconciled. They've restored the relationship. Now they're back together. Jesus came to restore relationships. First of all, our relationship with God, but also our relationship with one another. That's why we call him the Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace in our lives and peace in our relationships. What kind of peace does Jesus give? First in your notes, Peace with God. It's spiritual. It's spiritual peace. You need peace with God. If you're trying to live your life without God, you might not recognize this, but you're at war with God. You're at war with God. You might not know that. I'm not at war with God. I've got nothing against God. If you're trying to live your life without God, you're at war with God. You need peace. Someday you're going to have to stand before him. You want to make peace with them now. You want to be in the right relationship with them right now. I'm a good person. No one's that good. You know, we all need a Savior. In Romans 5.1, now that we have been put right with God through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So since you're never going to be perfect, since you're never going to be good enough, I can't judge everybody's hearts and minds and stuff, but I don't think anybody in here in this room is as good as Mother Teresa. And as good as she was, she felt like her salvation was in faith in Christ, right? Now, if she thinks she needs God, then I definitely need God because I'm nowhere close to that. No one's good enough. No one's good enough. So we put our faith in him. My faith is in God, and that's what gives me peace with him. I'm trusting him. I'm not trusting myself. If I trusted myself, all that would do is create pride. Can you imagine going to heaven? Why did, how did you get in? Because I'm such a good person. I mean, I'm really awesome. God really wanted me here because I'm such a great guy. No, it's because he's great. He's loving. We're relying on him. The second thing is the peace of God. That's emotional. This one is what you need on a daily basis, the peace of God. When you make peace with God, now you can get the peace of God. I'm at peace with God, now I have the peace of God. I've got peace in my heart. So I'm not so angry anymore. I can let go of stress more. I don't get ticked off like I used to. Why? Because I made peace with God, and now I've got the peace of God. And I can relax. And I'm not so bitter and uptight. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Do you notice that? It's given us two choices. I can pray or panic. I can worship or worry. If you prayed as much as you worried, you might be a prayer warrior. You might like, man, that is a prayer warrior, warrior because that person prays and prays and prays and prays. Prayer is the antidote to your worries because one is trusting God. Worry is trusting myself. I'm worried because I can't do it. I'm, not, I'm trusting myself and I know I'm going to fail because I have no control over it, so I worry Prayer is trusting in God, and the worry goes out. Trust in God. He came to give you peace, not just with him, but the peace of God in your heart, in your mind, so you can live life and enjoy life. You can have a relationship with God and be as miserable as any person that's never met God. You can have a relationship with God, meaning... God, I believe that you're, you died on the cross for my sins. So I put my faith in you for salvation. I'm going to go to heaven because of you. And if it stops there, then you, and you can have the worst, most miserable, messed up life in the world. In fact, I've met Christians that seem to look that way. People that have supposedly put their faith in Christ, you know, but they made peace with God, but they never accepted the peace of God. You know, it's not just making peace with God, it's allowing him to change who you are on the inside. Receiving that, you know, letting go of the, I know people that walk around guilty, 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 but they've already put their faith in Christ. And I'm saying, well, then you're not guilty. Let it go. You're forgiven. I could never forgive myself for what I did. If God forgave you, you can forgive yourself. We have to let those things go and start fresh and start new. Then we get peace with each other. 
God says, I want you to be a peacemaker. I want you to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation. Speaking about traveling around the world, I've noticed this wherever I've gone in places that are really have a lot of poverty or the wealthy areas. You know what I notice? Husband and wives have the same problems no matter where they're from, no matter what culture, no matter rich or poor. They, they have the same. And the marriage, the marriage tools that I use here work just as effectively there. And you know what? Wherever I've gone, even though you hear these stories that you would think it's not like this because of some stories that you hear in some countries, but it is. There's always a conflict wherever I've gone between the generation and the older generation, the younger generation, the older generation. There's always a conflict. They might handle it differently, but the funny thing is the same teaching that I would use here works in every culture there, wherever I've gone. People, why do they have the same problems? Ethnic problems are all over the world. Language problems are all over the world. Religious problems are all over the world. People will have conflict over anything you can imagine. It's all over the world. I've been to some places where you look at the group of people and you cannot tell one from the other. I mean... They have the same customs, the same dress, the same everything. The only way they can tell is by their last names, and they are arch enemies. They are arch enemies. You know, so it's the whole world needs reconciliation. The whole world needs peace. There's not anybody in this room that probably doesn't need to make peace with somebody because we're messed up. We're messed up. We all need peace. Here's what Matthew 5, 9 says. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. That's why he came. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because he came to make you a peacemaker, for you to be one of these people that instead of being a troublemaker, you're a peacemaker at work. Instead of being a troublemaker at home, you're a peacemaker at home. Instead of being a troublemaker wherever you could be, cause trouble, you're a peacemaker This world is desperate for peacemakers. And there's never going to be peace on earth until it starts with us being peacemakers. When we're peacemakers, we bring peace into our families, into our environments, into our workplace. We're called to be peacemakers. We're called to make that difference in this world. We're called to restore our broken relationships And we're called to help other people restore their broken relationships. When you have a friend, you're talking with them and stuff, try not to do anything where the words that you're throwing out is causing more division between them and the person they're talking about. You understand? If you err, err on the side of peace. Don't err on the side of being a troublemaker. If you don't think I should say anything, then just listen quietly. Stay away from when they're bad-mouthing that other person. Even if you think they're, tell, it's, they're correct, you're not in that relationship. You don't really know. Stay away from be, adding more fuel to the fire. 
you can listen to them. You can make them feel that you're someone that you can talk to and stuff like that. But don't be a troublemaker. Your ultimate goal is to bring peace between people. Peace between people. There have been people that I've said, based on what you're telling me, I think you need to separate from that person to protect yourself. Okay? That's even to bring peace. That's to bring peace. But the ultimate goal is be a peacemaker. Don't be a troublemaker. Don't fuel the fire. Don't give them more ammunition to hate somebody, to be resentful. Be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Do you know that you're not here by accident? When God created the whole world, he already knew that you'd be here this day. God wanted you to hear this message. God wants you to know that he loves you so much. More than what you can imagine. God wants you to know that he's seen all the hurt that you've gone through, and he loves you. When you think about Christmas, I think about gifts. Let's say that you bought me this Christmas gift, and you're very excited about it, and you give it to me. And I take it, and I say, oh, thanks. And I set it down. I go on with my business. Christmas comes and goes. New Year's comes and goes. You see me in January, and you say, oh, did you like the Christmas? You're excited because you want to, hey, do you like the Christmas gift? Oh, I haven't opened it yet. Why haven't you opened it? Oh, I mean, I don't, I just haven't, you know, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I'm still going through other things. What? What's wrong with you? February goes, March goes, April goes, and you say, well, certainly open it by now. Hey, do you like the gift? Uh, you know, I've been thinking about it. I know it's a free gift, and, um, but I just, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking about it. Okay. You would think I was the most stupidest guy that you ever met. And, you know, you think, like, what's wrong with this guy? I'm telling you, there's a gift. There's a gift. God has given you a gift. What use is it to celebrate Christmas and not open up the Christmas gift? The free Christmas gift is Jesus Christ. It's the whole purpose. The whole point is, God came to earth. That's the Christmas gift. If I do all this other stuff and I never receive the Christmas gift, how ridiculous does that look to God? What's wrong with these people? It's a free gift. A home in heaven. Everything's forgiven. A purpose for living. It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. It's yours. God just sent it to you. Here it is. It's for you. It's like a check for a million dollars. Oh, here you go. All you have to do is cash it. And then you never cash it. Say, what's wrong? What's wrong? That money is useless to you if you don't cash it. You can never get any benefit from it that someone intended for you to have. Don't go to Christmas without opening the gift. You make sure, before you leave here today, if you have never put your faith and trust in God. Don't leave here today without doing that. It's the whole point. The whole point is to have your relationship with God. In Acts 10, 35, it says this. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. In other words, God's not going to break through your door in a sense to make you come. He's opened up a door and said, come. God is never going to force you. 
But I'll tell you this, he wants to take your frustrations and he wants to replace them with peace. He wants to take your guilt and resentment and shame and grudges. He wants to replace them with forgiveness. He wants to take your worry and anxiety. He wants to replace that with confidence and faith. He wants to take your depression and despair and he wants to replace that with hope. He wants to take your emptiness and he wants to replace that with meaning and purpose. He wants to take that confusion that you have and he wants to replace it with clarity. He wants that. It's a free gift, but you've got to open up the present. And as you read scripture, you find out it doesn't really matter if someone's Catholic or Protestant or Jewish or Muslim or Mormon or Buddhist or Baptist or Hindu because it's not about religion. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about all that stuff. It's not like, and I have come to give you religion. No, he didn't come to give religion. He said, I came to give you a person, Jesus Christ. There are people that are religious, and it doesn't mean that they've got Jesus. It means they're involved in a religion. That can even be a Christian religion. Couldn't you be in a Christian church and doing all the religious stuff but never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Just be religious. Yeah. What good is that? It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Having him in the center of your life. Building your life around him. And then all those religious things that you would do make sense. It makes sense when I'm taking communion after I have a relationship with God. It makes sense when I get baptized after I have a relationship with God. It makes sense when I'm worshiping God. All those things makes sense when you have the relationship. But a lot of people are religious, and it doesn't mean that they have a relationship with God. God wants your heart. He wants your life. He's saying, I want to marry you. I want to be with you forever. And he's just waiting for you to say, I do. I do. It's a free gift. Do not leave here without knowing, without a doubt, my faith is in Christ. Let's pray. Dear God, we want to thank you that during this Christmas season that our hearts and minds can focus on you, that we're here to celebrate. Lord, we're so thankful that you came to save us, that we can reconcile our relationships. And Lord, more than anything, we give our lives to you. As I pray, if there's anybody in this room and you've never put your faith in Christ, today's the day. Pray this along with me silently. Lord, by faith... I'm trusting in you. I know I'll never be good enough to reach you. My faith is in you reaching me. By faith, I believe when you died on the cross, you paid off the penalty of my sins so that I'm forgiven. So Lord, from this point on, I'm yours. I know I won't be perfect, but I'm yours. I'm even trusting you when I mess up. It's all about you. It's nothing about me. It's all about you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.